Springs. Nearly 500,000 people. Olympic City, USA. Garden of the Gods. Pikes Peak. It's a growing city. Our local government has a lot of employees. What exactly do they do? How does it impact my life? This is where you find out. Behind the Springs, an inside look at your local government. Hello everyone, it's Jen Schrader on Behind the Springs. It's Colorado, it's summertime, and that includes wildfire danger. And that's what we're talking about today. Whether you just moved to Colorado Springs or you've been here for decades and witnessed or experienced the Waldo Canyon and Black Forest fires, this conversation is for all of you. I'm willing to bet that you will learn something. I usually do, and I'm fortunate enough to have Colorado Springs Fire Marshal Brett Lacey as my guest today. Brett, thanks for being here. Hi, Jen. Very nice to be here. I appreciate your time. And I want to start by talking, you may not want to start by talking about you, but I want to start by talking about you. I'm still um, in shock about you maybe learning something from me. Oh, come on. I'm scared about it's that. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's a lot of pressure. Um, tell us how long you've worked for the city. Um, how did you become Fire Marshal? And, and kind of give us an idea for folks who don't know what the Fire Marshal does. Sure. Um, so are I've you been from here. Are you from Colorado? I'm from Albuquerque. Okay. Originally. So right, we'll forgive you. I started in the fire service down there. Uh, well, there is a competition between green chili there and in Pueblo and I've got my own opinion, but anyway, Oh boy. Um, so I, I, I've been in the fire service 42 years total. Okay. I've been here in Colorado Springs for 28 years. Okay. Um, I started out down in the Albuquerque area of Bernalillo County fire department as a firefighter paramedic. Um, Work my up way up uh, through graduate Oklahoma State University as a fire protection engineer um, and worked with the Corpus Christi Fire Department, um, worked with the Stillwater, Oklahoma Fire Department, and ultimately ended up here uh, becoming the fire marshal and best job I ever had and a beautiful community. And so you're hooked. Colorado's, I, I Colorado's hooked. home now. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yes, after 28 years, I That's think right. so. That's exactly um, right. So what do you do? do you, I'm sure you probably don't have a typical day, but what is the fire marshal responsible for? Well, so staff kind of likes to joke. We, while the emergency operations division basically responds to any emergencies, right? They're helping people out during their worst possible day. Uh, unfortunately, we get touted, I do, as the fire code official, the fire marshal, as creating everybody's worst day because we go out and regulate. So we do inspections to make sure things are safe. We do construction plan review. We monitor and regulate hazardous materials. Um, so we try to find problems, get those corrected. And, and why that becomes a little problematic is those corrections to businesses and things that we need to have happen cost time, money, or usually both. So it is a little bit onerous being the regulator. Uh, but I, I like to think our fire loss in town and the number of fires we experience are kept pretty low because I have a phenomenal staff. But it's all of those things coupled with the education and how progressive we are as a city and a department that we minimize our losses with a great operations division of the department as well, that when we fail, they step in and take care of those issues. So, so yeah, when you show up, it can be um, costly for folks, but it's preventative. It's, right. it's a lot of it's education, things they probably didn't know. Exactly, because national statistics show that if a business is destroyed by fire, 51% of those don't reopen. Wow. And so we don't want that to happen to our economy or to our local businesses. So we take the job pretty serious. And what's your what's your staff size like? So all said and done, including seasonals that work out of the wildfire mitigation section, probably around 53 folks in the division of the fire marshal total. Okay, so you've got a whole, summer. and I, I don't think people realize that, we've got a whole um, 
or what did you call it, unit or division? Yeah, we've got a division. For wildfire. And that's broke up into six different sections. I've got community education and outreach. I've got uh, construction services that deals with all of the new construction we have going on. Code services deals with existing building inspections as well as fire origin and cause determination. I've got a technical services group that does hazardous materials and development regulation as well as some of our marijuana industry and some of the weird things that kind of come in from a technological standpoint, um, as well as a support services section, which basically runs the business office. Okay. 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 So a lot of folks doing a lot of different things. What do you, I mean, over, well, almost 30 years here in Colorado Springs, do you have any memorable stories or anything that stands out in your career? Favorite well, things, or I don't know. You know well some of those. So Waldo Canyon mm-hmm. was obviously memorable for many of the community. And I think what was super hard with that event was that we had been talking about that for a number of years, the possibility, the probability that it would happen. And then, it, you know, even though you know it's going to happen at some point when it does visit, it's tragic. And then that's followed up by the Black Forest Fire a year later. Even though that was in the county, we had to support that fire as well and that was tough but um you know i look back and the community's been so helpful and so supportive of our department through different uh, issues both adopting new codes so after waldo we adopted the wildland urban interface code which many communities even in california they have yet to do that because they don't like the regulation but this community understood the importance of that and trying to prevent that in the future so to me it's those kind of things that this community support is tremendous, not only for staff, but the fact that we're able to do things that enrich our quality of life and help protect the And explain that code for people who are new to the area. What does that mean? Well, for people that are new, basically we created any new homes built in the Wildland Urban Interface, which is on a map on our fire website. And is right where you would picture it, right right on the west side. In the forested areas. So if you build a new home or we have homes like in Waldo that were destroyed by fire and they're rebuilt, those have to come back with more what we call structural hardening. So we use materials and construction methods that are more resistant to embers and the wildfire exposure. Because what we found out of the Waldo Canyon fire was for every home that ignited because of the wildfire, it generated an ember casting storm that then basically ignited five to six more homes. And so you get this tremendous domino effect. And so passing the ordinance allowed us to reduce the number of homes that will be ignited. Um, And there's never a guarantee, but reducing that then is going to reduce the ignition of additional homes. It stacks the deck more in our favor on the operations side so we can mitigate that situation and not let the wildfire destroy our community like it did. And even if you're not in that area, there's a lot you can do, right, to mitigate Oh, yeah, property. because even though we just came out of the 4th of July, so we had fireworks, we have grass fires, brush fires, people setting off bushes right next to their house all the time as a result of fireworks. Mm-hmm. And so just cleaning up and taking those steps to remove vegetation away from the home goes a long ways to protecting your house as well as your neighbor's. It's so simple, but a lot of people don't take the right. time. So, yeah, that's a big one. So, okay, so let's talk about some of the other things. Um, you know, your messages for the public this year, and I, and I know every year, um, when it comes to wildfire, what are the main things you want people to keep in mind? I, th- I think people, especially here, kind of walk around going, yeah, I know, I know, I got it, I got it. Yeah, but it's a good reminder. You're exactly right, Jen. So we, as best we know, we turn over about 12% of our population a year from people moving in and moving out. Okay. And so relatively speaking, that's a large number where the message can sometimes get lost, right? And so I think one of the key things is while we have a very beautiful mountain front range, 
um, that being the wildland urban interface, we want everybody, so nearly 500,000 people living in the city, to be our best detectors, right? So if they see smoke, they see a hostile fire, we encourage them to call us quickly and early to uh, just call 911, let us know what you see so that we can respond and take care of that. And if it is a hostile fire at its smallest incipient stage. We, we also have an issue where a lot of various uh, people experiencing homelessness have warming fires and cooking fires throughout the year. We currently are not in burn restrictions. We're very careful out of my office to enact restrictions and burn bans if we're dry enough to do that. We're not in those now. But uh, those conditions would prohibit those fires. But right now, there's no restrictions. So those individuals can have heating or warming fires, cooking fires. What I would encourage everybody, rather than calling for all of that smoke that potentially we see, certainly if they see anything that's abnormally large or what we would call a hostile fire, that going into brush, trees, bigger than what we'd say is a little campfire, to make that phone call to 911 and let us know so we can investigate. Right. You don't want to call for a small little fire that looks in control, but right there. Yeah, that can happen quickly. Um, And if I can talk to you about the the weather really quickly, I think people um, like to become experts on the weather and say, well, it just rained. It's fine if I set off these fireworks or it just rained. We can do a fire in the back or what, you know, a camping fire or whatever it is. Um, But it really is important to stay up on those burn restrictions. Um, And like you said, when they go into place to know what you can and cannot do. Exactly. So Um, we're not the experts. You you obviously are monitoring with National Weather Service. We watch that closely. Plus uh, the wildfire mitigation section within the Division of the Fire Marshal monitors vegetation moisture. Okay. So throughout the warmer time of the year, um, they will go out and grab samples of different types of what we call fuel, but it's different types of vegetation, both live and dead, because those fuels, that vegetation has different burning characteristics. And so we take a multiple number of samples, both in the north and the south end of town, and we actually bake that those samples in the oven to dry off the moisture. So we'll do measurements of the weight before and after. That tells us how much moisture content is in that fuel. And based on that moisture content, coupled with weather predictions, what our forecast looks like, based on how busy our cooperators or other regional partners are that can't respond here because they're busy on other fires throughout the state, that's how we analyze and determine when a restriction or a ban will be in place. More severe will be a ban. Uh, less restrictive, you know, is the, is the restrictions, uh, but we monitor that. And right now we have got some moisture. What people need to really understand, though, is that we live in a high mountain desert. Colorado Springs looks beautiful and it looks green, green and lush right now, but it's a high mountain desert. And therefore, we're typically very arid. And we're going to be getting into a very warm season right now and kind of starting today. And the grasses have really responded well to the moisture we've had coming out of our drought uh, in the short term. And the the grasses and weeds have grown very, very high. We can get flame links on that grass two to three times the length of the grass. And so when that stuff starts to dry out, which can happen within an hour of a rain. Can it really? um, The wind and and sun, as intense as it is at our altitude, can Mm -hmm. dry that grass out, and we can have very severe grass fires right after a rainstorm. Yeah, because I think people think, it rained yesterday, so we're good for... We're good right. for a while. You know, yeah, you kind of we, feel a little, little bit of that false security. Exactly, and we can't be lulled into that. Another thing is we get some of these thunder showers where we have the just a big cloud dump, 
and that all runs off. That water does not have time like in a slow rain to soak in, and so it all runs off, and it doesn't provide any bit beneficial moisture to the vegetation. Okay. And so sometimes people do get, uh, I know that you, you touch on this quickly, but they get a little confused about restrictions and bans. Um, it's kind of like the weather warning and the advisory right. or whatever. You're exactly it's so right. Confusing. It's a little confusing. Yeah. So restrictions just means we're going to tighten things up a little bit. We're going to have some rules that you have to follow that are a little bit tighter. Mm-hmm. Bans means that we don't want any fires, open fires at all. And we will provide those specific instructions and the directions on our website. You all help publicize that information. We do that in local media, newsprint, but we try to provide that information so everybody knows. Ban is very severe. If we're in a ban, that's bad. Right. Um, restrictions, we're tightening things up uh, because it's not as safe as, as maybe we are today. And you're using all those determinants that you talked about yes. before. So, yeah, I do want to mention um, coloradosprings.gov slash fire. That's a great website to visit. Number one, to know where we are in terms of restrictions or bans, but also if you want some tips on mitigation, if you want more information, that's a great source. And then, um, you know, follow the fire department on social media, follow the city, and that's a great place where you can stay up to date because it does change quickly. It um, does have very, you seen it? I mean, what what have you seen in your, whatever, almost three decades here in terms of how quickly things can change? And do you have a memory of a really bad year or? I, um, I think the two worst years were, were the fire 2012 years. and 2013. And, yeah. and obviously we had bad fires visit. Um, we are uh, you are, are you able to predict this year? Are you able to say at the beginning of the summer or? Well, you know? we've been working with our partners, the National Weather Service as well. Um, they weren't as predicting as much moisture as we've gotten here on the front end. Um, but basically what's happening is they have been predicting a pretty dry summer. And so I think we're going to start moving into that now. I think the monsoon may start drying up a little bit here, which is going to take us into the end of July and August where we're going to be hot and less moisture. And that's when things are going to get kind of dicey because again, that vegetation has responded very well and it's beautiful out there for the little bit of rain that we have got to kind of get us out of our drought here on the Eastern side of the state. But I, I fear that is going to be drying pretty quickly, and that's going to that's gonna cause us to make some, some pretty significant uh, fire responses here in the probably late summer, early fall, maybe even through the winter. Yeah, well, so your team is ready to go. They yeah. are. It sounds like you got a great team. We have a really good team. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, so a third of our department are wildland firefighters certified. Our whole department is trained in it. Uh, but that group uh, is pretty intense on it, and we've typically deployed in the past when we have enough resources. And so the city is poised better than many communities in the Rocky Mountain West for addressing the threats to our community from wildfire. Well, that's nice. I mean, it makes you feel good yes. that you guys are ready. So um, what, what draws people to, like, a fire marshal job, a wildland firefighting job, you know, more than, you know, working for the— for the fire department. That's interesting. So I, you know, having, no, you can't speak for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. But I had the opportunity in my younger part of my career to be out in the field and running on engines and trucks and, and doing paramedicine. That was all very fun and exciting and nice work to be able to help individuals, right? Direct contact. I think as I've shifted more into, uh, fire marshal's position over the years as a staff position, as those in the field would call it, so you tend to provide benefits and, and help to the community on a much larger scale. You know, we have an opportunity to impact the community as a whole as opposed to individuals that are having a bad day. 
And my responsibility with that is to obviously leave it better than when I found it. And so working hard to maximize our capabilities through technology and awareness and education. And I think where this community responds well is being factual and truthful with them about what the risks are and what we can do to fix it and what we can't and what's their responsibility. Right. And, you can't and, do it by yourself. Right. right. We, we need the community to step up and do their things, much as a lot of the conversation, too, uh, that has been this summer around evacuation. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of maybe misinformation or lack of understanding with regard to evacuation and how the department does that. So um, those are all things we're trying to spread the word and help people understand. Yeah. So people are a little worried about what's what's the plan if there is another Waldo Canyon type situation where there has to be a mass evacuation. And we can you speak to that uh, about how we have plans in place and what? Absolutely. Because so, we are growing at such a rapid rate that it that it does make people nervous. We're growing real fast. Mm-hmm. And, and there's not as much land available on the west side in the Wui as there were us, but uh, it's still being developed. And so as those people come in, I, I think the important thing for people to understand is an evacuation is just tricky at the very best, right? We, we've kind of got to look back to on our history. As you know, we've had very serious wildfires in Colorado Springs back in the 1850s before it was even a state. Uh, we had a large fire in January. In the eight, 1950s, we had a very severe fire that started over by basically where the Broadmoor is today. And that killed 10 firefighters and, and burned Cheyenne Mountain and a lot of the area down in Broadmoor Bluffs where houses are today. And then we fast forward to Waldo Canyon. Um, so people... The community need to understand they have the biggest responsibility to be prepared. They live in a high-risk environment on a good day. And wildfire is part of nature. It's going to come. We had it bump into Mountain Shadows. We're going to have it come down into Broadmoor Bluffs. It's, it's a matter of when, not if. And people need to understand that, not from a standpoint of being scared, because we love the mountains. We love all of this. But we've seen the fires burning through the state last summer. And we're going to have some more this year, right, uh, different than the ones we've already had. People need to take the responsibility to be prepared to evacuate, to always be on point listening to messaging. And when the fire department is getting nervous and our fire danger, which is done daily on the websites that you spoke to, when that begins to increase from moderate to high to very high and extreme, everybody should be on pins and needles and really paying attention because we don't know when the wind is going to pick up. We don't know where a fire is going to start or by who. Um, We will do everything in our power to notify people to leave an area, to evacuate. But people already need to have a go plan prepared and know the the basic things they need to take, right, that are important, pills and papers and and pets, right? right? So they need to be thinking about that. And when we say evacuate, that doesn't mean you leave the office to go home and then pack. Mm -hmm. You need to be real. When we say evacuate, everybody's got to go because our record is good here. We evacuated about 34,000 people in four hours from Waldo Canyon. Now, testimonials from those people will say how scared they were, how it was terrible, and that there was traffic jams and there were issues because trying to get that volume of people out is terrible. But everybody that heeded the evacuation notice were not harmed. They survived. It went as we had planned and as we hoped. So the fire department has predetermined evacuation zones that we will call out, uh, just like we did on the Bear Creek fire. Okay. Um, and so we will notify people to get out of harm's way, but they need to be paying attention. And when we say go, they need to go. 
and just prepare now because I know even yes. you know myself living through Waldo Canyon said okay we're gonna come up with the plan and then a few years goes by and you start to say oh do we still have that plan do we still have you know things in order so that we can go quickly and um, it might be time to reevaluate because right. it has been a few years. And we let our guard down and yes. we acquire some more stuff periodically that's valuable, mm -hmm. right? So we should always be revisiting that, thinking about that and be aware of it. And I don't say that to make anybody nervous or scared, but we've got to recognize it, it, those people who live in Florida know at some point they're going to get a hurricane mm -hmm. and they're aware of that mm -hmm. and, and they know what to do if it happens. Same thing here. We're going to have a wildfire. We're going to have many wildfires. We need to be prepared for that, and we need to address those issues following the direction given by our emergency responders. Okay, awesome. This is good information. I appreciate that. So mitigation is a big one. Call 911 if you see smoke. Obviously, no fireworks, although that's hopefully no over. Fireworks. It's still no not, I don't Until know. January. Is it over? Yeah, and no then it'll come back in January. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then also be prepared to go. That's a big one, too. That's right. Um yeah. And be paying attention to all our media sources, right? Yes. We, we work hard to get our information out and share that. And, but every, I need everybody to share the responsibility with us because we're not going to be able to address everybody's individual needs. Hey, listen, I know you said sometimes people don't like when the fire marshal shows up, but we appreciate you being here. Thank we're you, glad Jamie. to see you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks so much, Brett. We really appreciate it. Okay, so again, follow the fire department on uh, or the city on social media or both and just learn what you can do to share the responsibility. That would be great. And um, we want to thank Fire Marshal Lacey uh, for, behind, for joining us for Behind the Springs and Inside Look at Your Local Government. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you next time.